Hello, hello. Good evening, Matt. How are you doing? Hey, Johnny. I'm good. I am uh, in the middle of nowhere at the moment and not at my usual recording setup. So I will apologize in advance if my <laughs> recording quality is not as good as it should be. But yeah, unexpectedly this week away, but doing really well. How about you? I'm doing okay. It's allergy season. <laughs> so if I sound like really stuffy, then that's that explains it. Yeah, no worries. So happy birthday. Apparently this is, this week is your, your birthday. That's why you're in the middle of nowhere right now. Yeah, well, apparently I've totally forgot about this last week and it's kind of thrown off my week. Yeah, it was my birthday yesterday. I had a wonderful day and spent it with my wife and kids and unexpectedly decided to go away and spend some time near the Kruger Park, which I've mentioned before in, I think, probably the first or second episode. <laughs> with the lions? Yeah, exactly. My favorite part of the country. So I'm outside here. I'm actually looking for a piece of land to buy. I'd like to, at some point, build a little cabin or a little house or maybe a tiny house, something like that, just uh, south of the park so that I can come here and have the getaway and then spend my chill time in the park with the wife and kids and sometimes alone as well. I do that every now and then. <laughs> yeah, so that's why I'm here. And I'm looking at a few different pieces of land, which is quite exciting. But yeah, it was unexpected and threw my week off. So when we get to my commitments, they're not going to look very good. <laughs> I'll say that up front. Yep. Uh, hopefully at some point we might pivot into not just online software acquisition, but land acquisition and real estate investments. <laughs> yeah, maybe. You never know. Isn't that what you, what you, what you do with land? You buy, you grow, and you repeat the process. <laughs> same, yeah. same. You committed to something new last week, right? Yep. I had two commitments last week, and the one was waking up at... 5am every morning, which was a fun one. And surprisingly enough, I was able to follow through. It was really refreshing to get two hours of deep focused work before the kids wake up and have to get ready for school and just kind of me and it's dark at 5am. We're in our winter season and only starts getting light at about 7.30. So it's just nice to sit, you know, have some quiet alone time to get some deep work done. So I was able to follow through with that. I just was not able to follow through with it on my birthday because my wife forced me to sleep in so that the kids can wake up and surprise me with breakfast in bed. Oh, that's, that's nice. <laughs> so it didn't happen on Wednesday, but it's not, not my fault. But other than that, yeah, it's actually something that I really enjoyed doing and I'm going to continue to do for the next week and then see how it goes after that. Maybe up it to, to 4 a.m. You know, <laughs> we'll have to see. But I, I did mention before that I used to wake up at 4 a.m. I used to love it because I'd get three hours of really productive work before kind of your day gets started. So, yeah, that was great. Did you like the tweets? I took the soundbite of you saying that you're going to commit and basically tweeting it out at 502, 504, <laughs> yeah. just making sure there's someone replying or else I'm going to call your phone or something. It was great. It really helped. My wife was super surprised that I was able to do it. It was like, what? You work up at five. <laughs> <laughs> That's unlike you. So what about your other commitment? Yeah. So like, I think 
in last week's episode, I maybe didn't explain what I was meaning very well in terms of talking about the refactor of the plugin, and I made it sound a lot more dramatic than it actually is. So like maybe if I can just kind of tone down the disc- some of the discussion that we had last week, because my intention when I re-listened to the episode, I didn't feel like I did a good job of communicating what I was trying to say. The intention that I have with the plugin is not to kind of do like one massive overhaul refactor all at once and, you know, a a big massive version release with tons of new features. My intention is to, over time, start refactoring it like bit by bit. So just, just to kind of clear that up. But my commitment related to that was to work on the settings page of the plugin and to refactor that part of the plugin to become more user friendly like the settings page right now it's got this one interface for selecting multiple different permission roles and instead of using checkboxes it uses a multi-select html element which is a super challenging ui for so many people and i constantly get support requests asking how does that multi-select work so i'm refactoring that interface and making it a lot more user-friendly and along with that will eventually become the wizard that I create that helps a user set up the plugin. So I got about 50% of the way there, but I wasn't able to complete it. And whether I would or I wouldn't have is probably besides the point because my birthday happened and I had to kind of uh, take a little bit of chill time and spend some time with the family. I didn't manage to get it all done, but I did make good progress. And for me, that's good enough. I just wonder, like, I guess from my perspective, maybe similar to some of our listeners who are not into the WordPress uh, space. How do you think about these changes with respect to trying to grow the number of paying customers? What I found with my users is you're almost competing with your competition on features. So as long as you've got features that match the user's requirements, you will convert them into, into a customer. The problem is it's an open source world, WordPress. So there's a lot of people doing work for free. And you know, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with it. I think that's great. From my perspective, I need to pay my bills at the end of the day. And sometimes it becomes hard to compete on features with people who are giving it away for free. And at that point, you've got to start looking at other areas to compete. I believe having really good product support is one area where you can compete with free plugins with free features because generally what i found is free plugins have terrible support they can't because it will just take up too much of their time to actually support a free plugin with you know hundreds of thousands of users you know if your customers in the wordpress space are more businesses or institutions or nonprofits they're looking for a good support team to be able to rely on when something goes wrong with the plugin that's where you can differentiate it's a tough one because support is probably (laughs) my least favorite part of building plugins for wordpress in a lot of ways i'm also still trying to figure it out and figure out other areas in which i can compete like you know potentially i've just got to have better marketing than my competitors and i can be better at at least generate more sales than my competitors or more downloads if it's in, in the case of a free plugin, just by having a better marketing experience. Right, right. I've had this conversation with Patrick McKenzie. He now works at Stripe and he's like a big 
proponent of making sure you're pricing your software right because it's a lever that you can use when you're, for example, doubling your revenue when you don't have to double the customer count. And he talked about how in these marketplaces, there's this trend where there's a compression of revenue because you're always 20 pixels to your right, there's a competitor, 20 pixels to your left, there's a competitor. The upside is that you don't have to figure out where to attract people. So it's more like a branding, More, it's more about optimizing the listing. But the downside is how do you differentiate? Yeah. And unfortunately, in the WordPress space, it's a race to the bottom. So the way that people are trying to compete is on price. So they start charging less and less to compete. And you get that. Like, I mean, my plugin is the basic plan is $49 per year. Very small amount compared to what I believe the value that they get for the plugin. But I've had blogs in the WordPress space write articles about it. And then I've looked at the comments and people have called out that, you know, $49 for a plugin is ridiculous. It's so expensive. And I'm just sitting there like, you know, because of this race to the bottom and people charging less and less for plugins, the expectation has become that plugins should be free or cheap. And it's also a product of being in an open source space where you can get a lot of plugins and you can get a lot of functionality out of WordPress for nothing. But, you know, if it's a completely free plugin, it generally lacks in both support, but quality as well. You can't put a good effort into a plugin unless you're getting paid for it because there's only so much time you can, you know, spend not getting paid. So, yeah, it's a tough space. But the thing is, there's a lot of opportunities, a lot of people using WordPress the premium marketplace for plugins is definitely there. And there's plugins that are doing like serious amounts of revenue in the space uh, every month, every year. And, you know, you've just got to have the right idea and deliver on that idea that people use the plugin. And, you know, using the model of having a free plugin and then a pro upgrade, you can generally get users pretty easily through the free plugin and then kind of offer them more features in an upgraded version because you know there's so many WordPress sites out there and you just list your plugin in the repository, do a bit of marketing, go get it written about on some blogs, and then it eventually organically starts to grow over time. There's definitely something that you have to do to differentiate in a marketplace. It's definitely not something that I, I'm very good at if you're looking at a marketplace play. That's why I'm looking at something like a survey bot where there is a marketplace component attached to it, but it, at the end of the day, it's still a standalone website. People are using Facebook. There's this thing called Facebook Workplace, which is sort of Facebook's version of Microsoft Teams, where organizations would have their sort of intranet and their chat. It's definitely not as popular as Microsoft Teams, uh, but the dynamics are the same. Yeah, for sure. And we're both kind of relying on a third-party platform for our product. You're relying on Facebook and I'm relying on WordPress. <laughs> yeah, which is a risk. It's it's risky, but it also is opportunity. There's you know, WordPress is never going to offer a discussion board feature in the core of WordPress. It just doesn't make sense. But people want it and they need it, and that's where market opens up. In that sense, I see the WordPress ecosystem probably better than any sort of closed environment like a Shopify marketplace or a Facebook workplace integration directory because you're still relying on other people's data whereas for you i guess 
the whole WordPress source code is sort of open source, so slightly a more open um, marketplace. So I don't think all marketplaces are created equal. And for example, like for SurveyBot, what we have to do is we always have to follow these API changes, especially for the past, let's say, 12 months as Facebook is trying to navigate their users' privacy. So from time to time on their developer change log, they would kind of shut down certain data access for different regions or they will retire uh, different APIs. So as a developer developing on top of their platform, we kind of have to do this dance where we're constantly following what's the latest. And for me, I think the mitigation strategy is really just to create different integration points. So if SurveyBot can offer surveys on Slack and on Microsoft Teams and on different platforms and it's similar to this, you know, social media scheduling uh, offerings, right? Or software like Buffer, right? Where they have, you know, Twitter, they have Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest. And if any one of them are limiting access, they still would have value, right? Scheduling tweets or posts on different platforms. Yeah, for sure. So how did it go with your commitments this week? Yes. So there was a lot of a lot of work being done. I was committed to shipping the deployment pipeline and early this week I shipped that with the contractor is now live and we're still monitoring it. So I'm still keeping the old infrastructure in place. It's still running. We're still paying uh, wow, awesome. Amazon, but it's just not poked up to the to the domain. What this means is that now when I push new code, all the tests will run and if it passes, then it will automatically deploy to Amazon. Before we were running on different servers, we had, I think we had how many servers? One, two, we had probably had like seven servers. Right now we are running on three services with, let's call it six. These things are called containers. So much more lightweight, much cheaper. The goal for me is to really lower my AWS bill, which is what I want to ship this week. Right now, we're still paying outrageous amounts to AWS because it came from a big company. So the server bill was just kind of one service out of, I don't know, the plethora of offering this company had. So they didn't care. They just, uh, when the service was performing slow, they would just increase the size of the servers and do backups and not really delete them, just keeping data forever. So for a service, that, that's pretty lightweight, right? Because you can imagine like serving surveys with chatbots is not that intensive of a task. I created a service last year, which was a monitoring service for WordPress websites. It was called Watchtower. I've subsequently shut it down because it wasn't really viable. But it's funny how quickly AWS costs can ramp up. That's the exact same issue that I had with that service. I had $2,000 credit that I got through some startup program that they had. And I ran through those credits so fast and I literally had two web servers in a database. And I was clearly doing something wrong, but I just flew through those credits and then it just started becoming too expensive to maintain. So I shut the thing down. I, I know of someone locally here who is thinking about creating an offering around optimizing AWS to make it more cost-effective for businesses which I think is a very smart business idea. And I think a lot of people get a lot of value out of that kind of service. I was just listening to a podcast and there's this business where their entire business model is to help companies save on their AWS bills. 
that's their primary business model. It's crazy, eh? And they're growing. So they're, yeah, their company's paying millions of dollars of server bills. So it's a big business. Did you have any other commitments or was it just the infrastructure? Yeah, so after the infrastructure was done, I wanted to do some load testing, but I didn't get around to doing that. So we can maybe dive a little bit deeper on when you acquire a piece of software, sometimes there's croft and there are tests that are not passing, that are failing, that you don't know what's happening. So this piece of software actually came with like 1,200 tests, which is good, right? So it means that there are certain best practices being in place before I took over. The problem was that the test is taking a long time to run. The first time, I think it took close to two hours to run all those tests. And obviously you can just YOLO it, right? You can just say, well, I'm not going to run the test. I'm just going to push it to production. But I want to set up the foundation so that for my future hire, there's a firm foundation that they can build on top of so that their tests running, they're relatively fast. And if the test fails, it'll roll back. It wouldn't deploy. So this week I spent a lot of time just trying to make the tests fast so that everything else can rely on the test. If I need to upgrade a software package, I can run the test, making sure that after the upgrade, it's still green. All the tests are still green. So I'm surprised that there are so many tests, <laughs> uh, which is a positive surprise. But then it's also a surprise that I have to spend this much time on just the infrastructure stuff, dealing with you know Amazon. And there were like several legacy issues that I deal with. So there are small things that actually prevented a certain customers from I'm logging back in because I'm doing some outreach to existing customers as well as early customers. And yeah, so just fixing some some bugs, uh, which was pretty much my entire week. Oh, and also there's this thing when, you, when you're trying to build a portfolio of these things, I think normally for the accounting stuff, you could kind of push that off or it's okay to be a little messy, but because the goal is to build a portfolio to acquire more of these things. To this. So what I had to do was at the end of May, right, I have to make sure the accounting is in place. So the acquisition um, was closed in May, which means that there are transactions for the holding company. There are new kind of transactions for, you know, credit card bills, server costs that is in the subsidiary, which is SurveyBot. So this is now kind of laying the foundation for the whole organization so that for the holding company, there's a set of books. And then for each subsidiary, there is, they have their own kind of operating budget. They have their own credit cards. So there's like all of this kind of setting up the, the accounting, right? That is taking a bunch of my time. Yeah, I've, uh, I had to do a bit of that on a small scale with my plugin. But what happened to me last week is my business entity, my LLC, officially turned one years old. So it's been a year since I've been at this, at least officially been at it with an LLC. So I had a whole bunch of documentation that I needed to fill out with regards to due process. When you own an LLC, you have to report to your to the Secretary of State or something like that. I had a company do it for me. I don't really even understand the ins and outs, but I had a bit of admin work I had to do around that to get that that all sorted out. But yeah, that was all done. <laughs> Hopefully I don't have much more admin for the next year <laughs> until I have to do it again. Yeah, it's always a headache, isn't it? <laughs> cool. So should we move on to commitments for this coming week? Yep. So for this week, I want to ship 
two things. So I guess the load, load testing is still up. So I still need to do at least the preliminary work to set up the uh, infrastructure to do the load testing. Actually, I've never done it before. So that's one. The second thing is obviously to clean up AWS to lower the bill. Because right now, I think there are so many snapshots in there of servers and database. And there are so many opportunities to lower the bill that I want to do that. Because that directly impacts the valuation of the software, right? Because that will lowering costs, right? You can maintain the same revenue to achieve a higher profitability. What about you, Matt? Awesome. Yeah, I'm going to go low this week because I know that I'm going to be away until Monday next week. I'm just going to commit to continue working on the settings. I'm not going to commit to finishing it. I would like to finish at least the themes section of the settings to refactor that settings, to get as specific as I can. That is the piece that I want to finish in the settings this week. Oh, we're right on time. (laughs) Yeah. So show notes can be found on buygrowrepeat.com. And I am at Johnny Tong on Twitter. And Matt is at Matt Jerry. We will see you next week. Bye.